Welcome to A Musician's Life Podcast. This podcast features interviews with a diverse group of musicians in different fields of the music industry, and my intent is that the audience will gain something from each guest's story. This episode features my conversation with Dan Crean. Dan is a Los Angeles-based drummer and composer. He's a founding member of the band Semi-Precious Weapons and has played with such artists as Lady Gaga and Gwen Stefani. As a composer, he recently wrote for the new Lego movie. I sat down with Dan last August at his home in Santa Monica. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in the podcast app and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation to this podcast on our homepage at www.andrewhalljones.com. You'll see a link for A Musician's Life. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please email me at amusiciansLifePodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at MusicianLifePod. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Here's my conversation with Dan Cree. So where do you get started? People, I always call you Danny C. Yeah. Is that what people call you? No, but you can. All right, I'm gonna call you Danny I'll C. I'll be then. Danny C. All right, cool. Yeah. What do people call Dan Crean or is it last name right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Dan Crean. Yeah. All right, cool. Danny C. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for doing it. Hey, thank you. So let's start with some basic biographical information, man. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Canton, Massachusetts, Canton, which Mass- is like a Boston suburb. Yep. And uh, were your parents musical at all? Uh, no, in your family? Uh, my grandfather was. Okay, um, what did he play? He played uh, like organ and guitar. Okay, so was that something you'd like to see him playing around the house or like? Yeah, he played piano every single day. Okay, and so what was your first instrument? Piano. Was it piano? Yeah. So yeah. when did you start that? Uh, when I was like, I don't know, maybe five or six. Okay. And did you like it? Yeah, I did. I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah, I liked it. You were like taking cool. lessons yep. with somebody and yep, Mrs. Ruth. Yeah, Mrs. Ruth. Learn how to read a little bit. Yo, you bet. Yeah, cool. Um, so, when did you actually start playing the drums? Um, it was uh, I think I was twelve. It's either twelve or thirteen, and uh, some dude, uh, Mr. Brown, was a substitute teacher in study hall, mm-hmm. and for some reason, study hall was in the music room in, okay yeah it was seventh grade i think either seventh or eighth grade and he brought out a uh a drum set and just yeah. set it up and he let everybody play yeah and for some reason i thought that i like knew because i was like into music you know i was like right. into at that point i was really into rap but mm-hmm. i like could i could play a little bit so i could sat down and i like played like a beat you know yeah and i was like oh it's pretty good and then like went around and then some other kid in the class could sit down and he was better than i was and I'm yeah like, fuck oh, that yeah Right. That was it. That was it. So drumming. That was it. Drumming was it. from then until right now. So, so did you, did you, so that was in seventh grade. So did you participate in the school music program at all? Was in that off high school? I was like every single music class I took. Okay. But not like in fifth grade, you didn't start on like a snare drum with like a bell set or any of that kind of shit. Nope. Okay. And, uh, so after, okay. So seventh grade, Mr. Brown sets up the drums, you sit down. So you go home after that like you want to get a set of drums or like oh yeah yeah immediately went home mom i need a set of drums well you're crazy i had just quit piano like the year before because it wasn't cool anymore you know like so i had couldn't play i you know and i was starting to like get into heavy metal a little bit too and there was no way that playing piano was gonna fit into that and doing you know like 
yeah. Bach was going to help anybody right. get girls or play in bands, so I had to quit. Yeah. But. So so what else were you listening to? So you were listening to rap, you mentioned rap a little bit, heavy metal, like what was... Yeah, what was that the... was really where it was for me at that point in time. Before I was, I was into some of the first tapes I got, I still remember having like a Elton John tape was big for me. I had Survivor, like Eye of the Tiger, mm-hmm. that was big for me. I had a Kinks tape that I loved. Yeah. But uh, I got really, rap was the first thing that blew my mind. I was Like obsessed. what artist? Like what... Public Enemy was my yeah. number one favorite, but I had everyone from that era you know yeah. whether it was nwa or public enemy i had ice tea tape i had all everything yeah i was about it um so so you get your first set of drums like you had been taking piano lessons so did you start taking drum lessons right away or yeah i did i think i went to daddy's junkie music in boston yeah and um i bought a pair of drum sticks yeah and uh so i went back home with those and my practice pad you know and i think i found a guy who taught lessons up at the spot his name mm-hmm. was mark and uh, he was a cool dude. As time went on, I re- learned a lot of cool stuff. He had traveled to Brazil to learn how to play all the samba stuff. He was also like a heavy like free jazz guy. He played with Matt Manieri in mm. Boston. And he was such a cool dude. I didn't even realize how cool he was until later. But hmm. yeah, so I started taking lessons. You know, like everybody learn your rudiments. It would be like a rudiment a week and like a snare drum piece. You yeah. know, out of the Garwood Whaley book. I'd have to practice and... Yeah. Shedded it. Man. Yeah. Intermediate souls or snare drum. Man, you I still bet I had that book. I, I, I put my kids through that ringer so many times. <laughs> it's a great that, book. That's a great book, man. It really is. It's so uh, anyway, we'll, we can talk about that. But uh so um so cool, but that was like middle like late middle school, early no, high no, school. No, that was like uh beginning of high school, that was like freshman year of high school. Yeah. Um so yeah, so then you, you mentioned you started doing some music classes at the high school. So did you have yeah. like jazz band or orchestra, wind ensemble, that kind of stuff? Not really. My high school music program was really rough. There yeah. wasn't very many people who could play at all. Um, it was surprisingly bad for okay. a, a school that had a really great academic program. Um, but uh, the band teacher, Mr. Mack, was like my like hero you know i spent all day with him every single day picking yeah. his brain and asking yeah. about music he'd give me records and cds and all nice. that stuff he had nice. gone to berkeley back in like the 60s or whatever yeah. so so were you like putting together bands outside of school in high school or were you trying to trying to I had a, no one in my school could play well except for one person there was this girl ellen cho who was a killing piano player yeah you like competition piano you know what i'm saying right. but that didn't apply to anything that i wanted to do, to do and I, yeah. there was no way for us she made me want to practice more because she had chops you know right. but like we couldn't play together even though we were friends we're, we're friends, friends right. for life but yeah um no I, I had to put up a flyer at daddy's junkie music in boston in boston yeah. saying like you know hey here's my gig and right. i wanted and at that point in time wanted to be in you know like prog rock or something you know I don't know, Return to Forever, some some sort of fusion music where I could play a whole lot of notes, you know? Right. But I ended up getting a call from, like, a metal band mm-hmm. um, called Twisted Psychology. Okay, And cool. uh, Where were they out of? They were out of Dedham. And uh, and from them I met a zillion people through cool. that, the, the way that spread out. Right, cool. So was that band, like, playing around Dedham or the South Shore? Oh, or yeah, Boston we did all the VFWs. Yeah. We did the, um, like, church basements. Yeah. We did, you know, I think we might have played one or two shows at, like, an actual club. I think we played The Rat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, in Boston. Rest yeah. in peace. Yeah. Did this involve some, like, double bass drum action? I had I had a Gibraltar double pedal, and yeah. I sucked on it real hard. And yeah. even at that point, I kind of thought that the hi-hat was cool. So yeah. I didn't like not playing the hi-hat anymore. So yeah. 
So just take with one. Were you working on jazz as well in high school? Like what were like what were you checking out for jazz? I was definitely checking out jazz. I had gotten a uh, a CD out. I think I was I think it was freshman year. I had gotten. This was like kind of like freshman year was like the end of my metal starting to turn into like prog. I was getting into like you know Russian stuff, but I uh, I got a CD out from my local library, which was uh, John Coltrane Blue Train, mm-hmm. and I listened to it, and I it didn't mean it was like nothing. I like threw it under my bed. Yeah. And six months later, like I got a letter from the library, like yo, Take bring back CD our back. CD. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, this thing. I was like, oh, I listened to this. This was stupid. I'll listen to it one more time before I bring it back to the library. Right. And it was like. And then that was it. Then yeah. I heard Philly Joe, and that was, it was over. Okay. So, yeah, so, like, you started shedding straight ahead, like, were you, like, you know, learning transcriptions? Or like... a, a little bit. I still kind of wanted to be Dave Weckl, but I I dug it enough to start practicing. I got the, um, like, Jim Chapin book. Yeah. The Wilcoxon solos. You yeah. know, like, all, all those things that Classic everybody, stuff, you know, yeah. I, the rudiments all of a sudden seemed like something that I should really spend a lot of time practicing and not yeah. just, like, I guess I'll go play that, Rudiment, you know, yeah. you know, Flame whatever. Flamethrower, whatever. Yeah. They exactly. all got really cool all of a sudden. Right. So was your teacher, like, did he pick up on this and, like, kind of capitalize on it a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I had switched teachers right around then. I had gone from sophomore year I had switched from my guy Mark to this dude Paul Bell mm-hmm. who had gone to my high school years before me but he was like he ran A&R at Vic Firth Sticks oh, cool. and he also worked with the Boston Crusaders which is like a drum corps drum in corps, Boston yeah. so he had some he had some hands yeah, so yeah. he became and he like did the percussion ensemble in my school so he became my new like mentor for the rest of high school for me okay cool so yeah. you're doing percussion ensemble with him yeah. and uh, yeah. setting them cool so when it came time to consider like going to college, did you know you were gonna focus on music or yeah, there was, no, you, there was no. I question? really loved um, English as well. I was a big reader and I like you know thought that was a cool thing. But at at that point in time, there was no choice. There was only one choice, and it yeah. had to be music. Yeah. So that being said, so Berkeley probably wasn't obvious. It was like the only choice. So like, yeah, I got so, a great music school, and it's in my backyard. Like, how am I not going to go there? Right, and so you didn't. Did you really even entertain like any other schools? Not really. Just, yeah, I uh, had done like a um, like an all-state thing, and the dude there was from Amherst, and he was like, "You should come to Amherst." And I was like, "Okay, well maybe." And I like thought about it, and then like I just drove out there, and yeah. by the time I had driven from Boston to Amherst, I knew there was no fucking way I was gonna go to school there. Yeah, it was like a zillion hours out in the middle of nowhere, and I was like, oh, there was I, there was no hippy dippy element about me at that point in time. I was very like, yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't going out there. Right. Was I remember that guy's name was Jeff something because he conducted the Connecticut. Regional okay, so you know the dude too. I know the dude yes. too. I, I did the same thing. I drove up there. I, did, yes, I played amazing. with the big band. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that yeah, must have been his like little baiting hook that he used for all the kids. And that's a smart dude, right? Yeah, yeah. But my thing was that <laughs> this is funny. I got a scholarship. They gave me like a scholarship to Amherst for a drum set, but then I was too dumb to get into UMass Amherst. I couldn't. I, my SAT scores weren't high enough. They were like, "Yeah, you can't." They were like, "You just can't even beat the minimum requirement." <laughs> yeah. like, like, you your like, problem is you can't read. <laughs> That's your like problem. Like, you can read the shit out of this chart, but you but can't read. you can't read, read English. So, so sorry, yeah. buddy. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, so, bro at Berkeley was like, yeah, come on over. So, yeah, so, so you end up, you went, applied to Berkeley, and what was yeah. your, like, major? What was your, what did you do? Uh, I was, a, at the end, I was a composition major. Uh-huh. I was music ed and composition, because music right. ed seemed like a real job, you know, yeah. until about the end of school, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to be doing a real job. I'm out of here. Right. So at Berkeley, like on so on, who were you studying with on drum set there? Uh, 
I had Steve Wilkes when I first got there, and mm-hmm. then I had Ian Froman, mm-hmm. who was probably the best and worst thing for me. Yeah. Because he was such an amazing player and teacher and got my playing in such good shape, but he also, like, crushed my soul, I think, a little bit, you know, so... I have another person that I interviewed who's, like, a studio... He runs a studio in New York. He does, like, mm-hmm. production work and everything. And he mentioned that he studied with Ian Froman, and, and yeah. it crushed his soul. Everyone says it. I, everyone I know who's ever worked with him, he's just a soul-crushing yeah. dude, man. Like, he is. Yeah, I remember you'd play, and he'd, he'd be like... You'd like have a good day, you know, like, yeah. and I don't know if you've ever been in this room, but he had like all the lights off and have one light shining up from below his black drum set. And he always wore black himself. Oh, yeah. And he would come in and he'd be like, and now today we're going to play time at 120. It was a blues form play. And then you'd play and you'd have like a good day. You'd be like, oh, for once I didn't just suck in front of Ian, you yeah. know, because I'm so nervous and shit. And they'd be like, oh, that was all right. And then, like, on the wall, he'd have, like, a picture of, like, Jack, you know, and have, like, a picture of, like, Roy Haynes or yeah. and somebody like that, you know. And he'd be like, think you sound as good as him? You think you sound as good as him? Yeah. And he'd be like, no. And he'd be like, yeah, exactly. So why would anyone ever call you? And you'd be like, I don't know, man. Like, why don't I go fucking drown in the river? There? Yeah. Like, yeah. Can't be, like, good job. The couple times I got a good job out of him, though, it was like, holy shit, I did real good this way. Right. But he did more for my ride symbol than anybody else I ever worked with. Yeah. So what can I say? Absolutely, man. So, so what else? So you're doing composition at Berkeley. Uh, um, so, uh, were you doing any like ensembles or were there any like non drum set teachers that you connected with that like, really helped you a lot? Like, yeah, develop? my tightest experience after Berkeley is definitely not with any drum set teachers. Yeah. The one I'm closest with is uh, Marty Epstein. She okay. was a composition teacher at school, uh-huh. and she's my best friend from the professor. Yeah, I was also cool with Henry Tate, who died last yeah, year. Yeah, the art really cool dude. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, and um, so. I want to ask you a little bit about your background because uh, I know you're doing some like production and writing and nowadays. Mm-hmm. So like, um, like you t- studied piano when you were younger, but like, I mean, I assume you play guitar and you can get around on these mm-hmm. instruments. Like, did you start shedding those instruments like post college or were you working on them in college just kind of casually or like? Yeah, I played guitar in a couple bands in high school. I always play a little guitar, but mm-hmm. I uh, my piano chops were decent in college. They're fucking terrible now yeah like terrible yeah um but because of the magic of midi it doesn't matter that i can't play for shit anymore you'd be a great trumpet player exactly like you can play (laughs) one note and tune it and it'll it'll get there yeah exactly while you're at berkeley were you playing like you had already you lived in like from you're from the south shore kind of so like or whatever they call that yeah that's exactly where i'm from south shore yeah were you playing like working out in boston like playing gigs or do you have a band in school like what was what were you doing? Uh, not, not, it's hard to remember now, but not really. I, and by the time I, you know, I had gone to, uh, like the Berkeley had this like exchange with Rotterdam. I don't know if you even remember this, but it was, nobody ever did it. I was like the only person that I knew that did it. I knew one other person that did it, but, um, I, uh, went over there. So I went to school over there for six months and that was really awesome. And sort of around that time, by the time I kind of got back, I really just wanted to be like a writer, you yeah. know? Um, and also Berkeley kind of made me feel like if I, you didn't sound like, you know, like Antonio Sanchez was my class, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like, come on, like, so it seemed like, well, what's even the point of playing drums? Like these dudes are the best, the best, at least if you write, you can find your own space to have a voice as a writer. It's not just about being like technically prolific, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. So after you graduated school, like, what was your next move? You were, did you live in Boston? Yeah, no, I lived in Boston and I had, uh, I started playing in like indie rock bands around town and Mm -hmm. 
I had a you know a couple things. I played in this one band, Linus, which was fun, and then that one led to this other band called Chubby, which was a dude who was in um, used to be in the Mighty Mighty Boston's. Okay. And then they had they were at least on a label. They were on Gigantic Music in New York, so I started mm-hmm. going to New York with them and starting to meet some people. And then one of those dudes started a solo thing that I started playing with him. So that started bringing me to New York all the time because he lived down there, mm-hmm. and that was kind of how I transitioned. And then when I was playing with him was when I um, when Justin called me up. Okay, so let's, so, now when I met you, I was living in Roxbury, or you, you were living in Roxbury yeah, too, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, so, um. 131 Cedar Street. Yeah, 103 School Street, man, we were, we were, like, I mean, I was, like, completely broke, basically, you know, just, like, living in a one room, it's, like, $185 a month. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, that's, and, uh, that's the right rent for you know, artistic And then practicing, you know, with definitely, like, practicing, and, like, you know, whatever, but, uh. So at that time you were, that's when you started to go to New York to, were you like doing some trip back and forth? I, every single weekend I drove to New York for a couple of years straight before I finally packed up and moved. And you, were you teaching to kind of like make things work Mm -hmm. in there? Yeah. So, so post-college you're playing gigs, you're kind of going back and forth in New York and you're teaching some lessons to kind of piece the whole thing together to get your cheap rent together. Yeah. Rent was, I think three eighty seven a month or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and that was cool and I had a little you know little room where I had my drum set up so I could practice a little bit yeah and uh, I used to teach at this place down in South Shore and Easton that was yeah. really cool and my the dude who ran the school was a drummer mm-hmm. who had also gone to my high school 30 years before me right and loved me and oh, cool. would let me I was like yo I got a gig in New York this week he'd be like go do the gig I'd be like I got a tour this week he'd be like I got it I'll awesome. teach you lessons. Like he, yeah. he was so cool for me right. to do my thing. So, so that's great. So you cover for you. You could, you could kind of have the best of both worlds going yep. on. Excellent. Cause if I was working, think about it. if I had a real job, you can't do that. You're exactly. just fired period. You're yeah. gone. Like you're they stuck. don't care. Yeah. Like they'll find some other, you know, dude. So, yeah. Do it. yeah. Um, so yeah. So how did you meet Justin? Like how did that connection um, get made? So Justin and Cole were just by chance roommates freshman year of college. Okay. I didn't at, know either of them. At Berkeley? At Berkeley, okay. yeah. And they're like, I think a year or two younger than me. Okay. So, one, two, I can't remember. Either way, so they moved in and I played in a fusion band, in, mm-hmm. of course, at Berkeley. With It was actually kind of a great band. Like, um, yeah. Curtis Warren was in it. Sax player Julio Shaw was in it. Wow, uh, yeah. Dana Decker, the bass player. And then there was this other bass player, Corey Wentworth, who I was boys with. Mm-hmm. And then when he left, this new freshman kid joined the band who was Cole Whittle. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Neil Persiani at the time, but mm-hmm. um, so he joined, and I like I vibed the shit out of him because the kid before him was like my boy, you yeah, know? yeah. So I was like, I just didn't even want to be friends with this little right, kid, right. you know. And when he showed me, he had like eighty pounds, and he had this like white, hey, nice to meet you guys, right, right, right. Like, out of here, kid, like I'm fucking out. <laughs> and then I, uh, but then when I came back from Europe, I was in a uh, like a random like art history class or, or like history, Western Civ or like one of those, those gen eds you had to get out of the way right. and he was in it and he was like oh hey you want to play and I was like oh yeah I remember you and then that's it friends for life so how is how does this connect to you being going down to New York okay so I was friends with I had then at least met Justin enough to know him. You know what I yeah. mean? Like we'd see each other and I'd be like, oh, I know you. And I had seen... Like at people's gigs? Or, or like his gigs. His like because he had a band. His like the Justin Tranner band was happening okay. at Berkeley and Neil played in that band. Oh, okay. Um, um, Michael Herklotz played drums. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember the, uh, the... What's the 
I can see him in my mind, the piano player's mind, but either way. So I played in a jazz trio with this vibraphonist named Mike Pinto and yeah. Neil what's, played bass. What's Mike Pinto doing, man? What's he? Pinto? Pinto is like, Pinto quit music for two years to learn how to program and he programmed this amazing like 8-bit video game that was featured on the front page of iTunes and all this stuff called wow. Bic and he composed the soundtrack to it as well and it's phenomenal. Right on, so man. Now I feel like, like he's got married. He has a kid. Excellent, man. Excellent. That he was—he's such a funny guy, like such a great musician and amazing. He probably knew. I feel like he, like that Jordan Pearlson crew, like some of those dudes, like Tommy Crane. Did you know that drummer in New York? Does that name ring a bell? Ring a bell. Yeah, he, he was Logan Richardson, that alto sax player. He was like, I feel like he was like studying with like Stefan Harris. Maybe he was like really into like two yep. mallet, kind of like. Yep, hundred really percent. Interesting vibraphone. He was a music ed guy as well. Just yeah, like, he was. I don't want to speak for I remember he like completely like I feel like he hated it. It was just like know, was he so hates fun. he hates kids and teaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His dad was a lawyer. He had to get like a real job oh, or something man. hypothetically. You know. Okay, so He's sorry to sorry for the aside, but you said Mike Pinto. I was like, <laughs> so um, so sorry. So he was in the fusion band as well, or he was what was that? What oh, was that was a different. That was a different band. Okay. It was after I had made friends with uh, Cole, he was playing with Mike Pinto. Gotcha. And he was like, oh, I'm friends with the vibraphone player. Do you want to come play? And I was like, sure. And then the three of us started a band together. Okay. What Purse was that called? It's called Purse Trio. Okay. And we played like some shows. We used to go down to Virginia and play like little jazz fests and stuff because that's where he was from, from yeah. Richmond. And that was fun, you know? What, cause what style were you playing? Like, what was the style? Would you, was like progressive, like Greg Osby style jazz? Or I like... guess. I don't know. I just was doing really bad. Tane Watts imitations. Yeah. That's really all I was doing. Excellent, excellent. Um, so, so yeah. So all that said, you're you're, you're connecting with Justin in New York. He's got a band. You're like yeah, he's got a band. So when his he's in New York doing a thing. Cole had already moved down there. He was playing with the Big Apple Circus. He got a gig right. coming out of school, yeah. which is a great gig. There were some killers playing in that band. Yeah. Like Kay Ishibashi. Did you know that violin player? No, no he played in that band. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh. There's someone else I'm forgetting. Either way, Monster is in the yeah. uh, in the circus yeah. band, and uh, so he moved down there to do that gig. And then probably two years later, two or three years later, Justin called me up. Uh, Neil called me up and was like, "Yo, Justin's gonna call you. He's starting a new band. He's canceling his own band, and you know he wants you to be in it." Mm-hmm. So Justin called me up and he said, "Hey, I'm starting a new band called Semi Precious Weapons, and you're playing drums in it." And I said, "Cool." Done. And next yeah. week went down there and. That was it. Yeah, down to the loft. Was yep. that right? Yeah, yeah, he had the loft to walk in. I was like, holy shit. That place is unbelievable, man. Yeah. So, so you had Cole, uh, Justin. Was Joe like already in the picture? Yeah, Joe was living there. Joe was living there with Justin. Justin. And yep. then the guitar player was Aaron. Was Aaron Tashin. Right, okay. So, like, right off the bat was like, was, was it like a, were you, was Justin writing? Were people writing together? Or was it like, uh, right People. off the bat, Justin, because Aaron had moved from Columbus, Ohio to New York, even though mm-hmm. he had gone to like Berkeley for like one semester. Yeah. And he lived in Delaware for a little while. I don't mm-hmm. know. He, he kind of bopped around, but when he, you know, same thing, he was going to move to New York and Justin's like, well, you're in my band, so you're going to live with me. So yeah. he moved in to the house as well. So him, Aaron and Justin used to write together. Okay. And so like, how often were you like rehearsing? Uh, I think like... Over the weekend, I think we'd just do like a... I don't think we only we only did like two rehearsals before our first show, mm-hmm. which was at the Knitting Factory in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which was awesome and the show was sold out the first show because Justin already had a following thing going, yeah. so it was like oh right. shit there's something there's something here when did you really move to New York like full, full time uh, April 1st 2007 okay so like was that semi pressure the ball was already rolling like it, yeah it was I was there so much and there was just kind of like we got a lot of attention quick and mm-hmm. then it plateaued for a long time mm-hmm. before it finally got out at the very end like Basically, after Stevie joined the band, then like probably a year afterwards, then we were signed to a major label and on tour and in studio and making videos and all the all that stuff. All that yeah. shit happened. How did you like first meet Lady Gaga? Like in New York, was she just around or like? How yeah, did that she was around. She happen? like opened shows for us back in the day. Like at the like, where were you playing in New York? Uh, we were playing. Um, shit, man. Yeah, we played Knitting Factory, but we also we had some really great gigs. We played. Um, we played Bowery Ballroom, but it, it was even before that. When we were, when Gaga was there, it was we were playing at like um, I can't even remember the names of the places. We were they smaller rooms? Yeah, they were smaller rooms. Yeah, and so also with the Sony Press Rooms thing, were you like pretty New York centric? Like I feel like I saw you guys play in Boston once, but it was it was because of some like weird MTV thing. It was it was like the middle yeah. of upstairs or something. That's yeah, that's exactly what that you. was. Yes, it yeah. was for some weird MTV thing. That's right. Justin was a coach on like um. For, he had some girl get up on stage and sing with her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like one of those like you know like, I in real life or something like you know right. I want to be a rock star when I grow up. So they right. Justin was like her life coach or something. You mm-hmm. know so. Yeah. So but so the question was, were you like? Were you going outside New York to play? I mean, you were doing we were, well in the city. We, we were great in New York, and then the other places we were great were Columbus, Ohio, and L.A. Mm-hmm. We came out to L.A., and we sold out, like, three nights in a row at the Viper Room. Like, we were really doing it out here, too, for some reason. Yeah. But nowhere in between. We couldn't connect the dots. Boston always sucked. To this day, never yeah. never had a good gig with SBW in Boston. In Boston, no. yeah. Was, uh, did Justin have a thing, like, you obviously had a thing established in New York where you guys kind of were able to step into that a little bit, but, yep. like, did he have a thing established in L.A. at all previous to that? Oh, nope. No. Just some girl, I, th- I think this girl, Chelsea, just liked the band and was the booker at Viper Room at the time. She was like, hey, do you want to come and play? And we were yeah. like, sure, and we came, and it was awesome. We were going, driving around the country on tour, and... We had heard that Gaga had a thing out in LA that she had a deal or whatever, you know. Right. And then we had heard that she like had something going on, and we were like, "Oh, cool!" And then we were driving through like the Midwest somewhere, and Just Dance came on the radio, yeah. and it was like, "Oh, like she wasn't lying. She right. really does everything." Also, right. now like knowing about the music industry and all the stuff that I know, it's like she was so many steps ahead already at that point in time that they yeah. had like she had the backing when that song went number one yeah and then when the poker face right after it went number one it was mm-hmm. like i it's hard to see now like just how much of a star right she was it was like the you don't get that the, right. the gates were blowing off like it was like she that's as good as you can get so so we were friends with her and we had right around the same time hooked up on if you remember perez hilton used to run like yeah. a celebrity gossip website uh-huh and he uh, he had put a, a tour together because he was also sort of like starting to be like a music critic kind of guy too. Mm-hmm. So it was us, Lady Hawk, um, and a couple other bands that I don't remember right now. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we went on tour together, and then we bumped to the Sounds tour after that. And then 
somehow it had all come around the back that we Interscope was interested again in us. Justin had met like um, Gaga. We opened for Gaga at Terminal Five in New York. Mm-hmm. Met her manager, Vincent Herbert and Troy Brown. Then they hooked us up with another manager who had inroads who brought us around the back into Interscope again, who we had already had a thing with many, many years before, but with mm-hmm. a different, with Tony Ferguson was our A&R before, but this time Ron Fair was our A&R and he was the guy who brought us in and then signed us. And then as just as we signed the deal, we got the offer to play um, the Gaga tour. Right. And at that point in time, it was just, I think it was just supposed to be like six weeks or something like that. It mm-hmm. ended up being 18 months straight. Mm-hmm. Right. So... Yeah. So did you go like all the way around the world, like pretty yeah, much? Yeah, absolutely. So you play like thirty minutes out front or something on the first show? Yep. Genius man. It's, um, it's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it's great. One thing I'm curious about is like when you got this tour, you know you're gonna be gone from New York for a long time. Did you get rid of your apartment or like did you like simplify like your life in a way? You just, My like, life was pretty simple when I was yeah. living in New York. At the end there, I was just hanging on by a thread. You know, like yeah. it was kind of like one of those things where like probably two years straight it seemed like it was just about to go so it was always like just about to be something cool was going to happen right. and it never happened and it never happened and then we're just kind of hanging around i you know was out of money out of everything you know i was just basically like you know stayed with justin for a while had like some like girlfriends and stuff you know like it was it was a mess man yeah but yeah. the same sort of thing you know like it was cool because i could practice at school of rock so mm-hmm. i would go there and I could just play drums. That didn't cost anything. So yeah. I could just show up there at night and shed for... Right. That's not an expensive right. hang. And then somehow it turned the corner finally. Right. And it so, happened. Yeah. So you go on tour. So basically, like, you're on tour. Whatever you're getting paid per week, that's happening. But you're also, like, your expenses... Like, you're not, like, paying an electric bill. You're not paying... Like, no, I definitely gave up. Like I said, I, I had a friend who had a studio. I put all my... Because oh, I was right. a bit of a... You know, I was, like, into vintage drums. And I had tons of cool old shit and obviously didn't wasn't gonna throw it away or have right. time to sell it we were supposed to be gone for like you know six weeks we never came back like right. ever yeah to this day that was yeah like 10 so years ago so you yeah so then after that tour did you move to la right after that was that the yeah that tour so that tour went for a year and a half and when it ended the last stop on it i think we flew from we flew from paris to la was what the last like flight was mm-hmm. and then when we landed here that was it we had no one had an apartment anymore yeah. Everybody's life was in two suitcases and here you are. Start fresh, you know, like the sun's shining. I guess we live here now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you got this house, is that did you like I was saying that we moved Oh you moved into the boat we house. Moved into, into the uh, the pool house pool at house, first, yeah. which was, was a blast, you know, yeah. being fresh off tour, living in the pool house. There was, you know, just fucking still drunk every single day and living a crazy life to a degree, yeah. you know. We lived at this like you know, like kind of like all day diner, this spot Dukes that used to be on Sunset Boulevard that's now gone, but we used mm-hmm. to hang there all day. And that was our like lunch and dinner every day. And right. we had like little BMX bikes because nobody had a car. We just moved. So <laughs> we ride our little BMX bikes around. And yeah. So, yeah. So you moved back to, so you moved back. No, you moved to LA. So can you talk a little about like getting it like established? You'd obviously done this like major tour. You probably knew some people, but there's so many people here, you know, doing so many yeah. things like, so did you have a concept of like what you wanted to do next or like um, or like like a goal or did you just kind of like take it as it came or like Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, 
in retrospect, like, no, there wasn't the, the goal was to, you know, put it together and make it work, you know what I mean? Right. Find a way to make the band, uh, with some impressive weapons. Yes, yeah, have yeah. a way to craft the thing where we had just played all these shows and we have the things and all the stuff. How come we can't just push it over the line to being a band that everybody's heard of and you can go and right. be a regular band, you know? Right. And just caught up in all this label stuff and yeah. all this crazy things and a million other things as well, but it just never, never quite got there, you know? Yeah. So we just had to call it eventually. But Right. Right. So, but that was like four years, maybe three years in LA trying to, trying to get over trying that Trying to get over it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So let's talk about what you've been up to more recently. So... Like, so I see like you doing a playing side, then also like a composition so, side as well. Um, there was like a, I, I had, when we got off tour, it was sort of a blessing in disguise that we had a producer that we was working with. He was a phenomenal producer and musician, but he wasn't really working with us too much. So we started recording and writing a ton of stuff on our own, which mm-hmm. kind of just, I don't know, for whatever reason, since I already had like a, a DAW that I was working with for like the backing tracks when we'd play live, mm-hmm. that... I was like, oh, well, I think I can record now, too, because I got Ableton or whatever. You know, I got right. Pro Tools here. So, like, so I just started producing, like, not because I wanted to really be a producer, but because somebody had hit the space bar, so I guess that was going to be me. And right. that's turned into right. a thing. Right. So you're writing music. Like, what are, like, the avenues the music you're writing is for? Is it, you mentioned, like, uh, some film stuff and TV. Or... Oh, yeah. So the, the different things are, most of it ends up being, like, these, like, it's a whole thing, but like there's like a songwriter circuit in LA where you, you know people come in, they top liners, they sing and write the words, and you make the beats and play mm-hmm. the chords, whatever they are, and then you put it together and then you like send it to like your publisher and like you know see if somebody who's doing something wants that Might song, be interesting you know? Right. Yeah, sure. So I don't know, hundreds of those. Yeah, you know, and then. Um, and then also some other cool stuff like we ended up writing and producing for um, this like hip hop group called Rich White Ladies and their EP came out on Motown Records that mm-hmm. was really cool nice that was a real thing um, and then like right now we're working on the Lego Batman movie which mm-hmm. is really cool and that comes out next year but basically all all those things are kind of on the back of the band falling apart right and Justin establishing himself as a in-demand pop songwriter so when he made the move from being like front person in the band to a writer yeah it just it worked better for everybody basically yeah. everything got better than yeah. trying to fight the fight that was never going to work right right so as but i will say that having like the the music education and all the stuff that came from berkeley made it really it made it possible to be able to be versatile enough to say yeah. okay now like no like maybe i'm not playing in this like kind of like 80s cock rock band anymore but can we make a funk tune? Yeah, we definitely can. Yeah, yeah. Can we make a jazzy tune? We right. de- can we do this? Because you have all those skills because you went to school and learned all that shit. Say, so you yeah. have a trade. Especially you were a composition major. Yeah. So like, so for like for this Lego movie, like I'm not super familiar with those, but I do know that like I've heard like some like pop tunes associated with those movies. But then obviously there's also like incidental music like yeah. happening. We're not we're not the incidental music people. We're so you're writing focusing on all the, the songs. Like the yeah. Song part. Of it. Okay. Cool. But it was cool stuff. Like we did one um, that was like a kind of like '70s like uh, kind of disco like Rocky disco you know mm-hmm. yeah vibe and that was cool and we got to like you know fake some string parts and arrange like a 
kind of detailed score, whatever you want to say for the the tune. That was yeah. a lot of fun. So cool, man. Cool. And then what about on the playing side? Do you like entertain offers from like singer songwriters that like might want to do a, a, a record or like? Yeah. So what it what it kind of happened is that I had basically quit playing drums. I was only playing laptop. I had almost no playing anymore. And mm-hmm. um, and then you know trying to figure out what was gonna go on and not too much was really happening. It was kind of tough. And then. Um, Justin had been working um, with Gwen Stefani on her mm-hmm. thing, and then he was like, yo, they're looking for a drummer, so I'm going to recommend you, so go practice again. So I was like, yeah. shit, I got to remember yeah. how to play, run in the back, right. play some paradiddles, you know. Yeah. And then uh, got that call, so that ended up being like, I don't know, like nine months of work or something like that, and mm-hmm. then that... Nine months of, of recording? or No, no, just or, off, or... scattered, scattered, scattered you know, work. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that wasn't like in a bus for nine months, that was like... Right. Two gigs a month, three gigs a month, no right. nothing. A week in New York, nothing yeah. here. And then on the back of that, then just same thing, trying to back to hustling gigs, but now knowing a couple more people. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is, I mean, I'm not going to include this all. I'm just curious for myself, like, so out here, like, if you're doing a gig like that, like, is that a union gig? Yeah. Okay. Well, well. Yeah, I think we had to join the union was what happened. I know in New York, when we did the TV shows, we had to join the New York union. So now I'm a, I have to pay dues every time they send me a check. Like, right. Is there a different union for New York and LA? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, um, and there was a national union as well, not surprisingly. Right, okay. Wow, interesting, man. So, um, and I'm curious, like, on a gig like that, like, like I saw, I like man, I tuned in. I, I think you said on Facebook or something you were gonna be on Saturday Night Live, whatever. And yeah. I tuned in. And I watched it. It was like you know, right, like, on you know Saturday. Him. Yeah, exactly. I know that guy. <laughs> so, but like for something like that, like how much like rehearsing happens for something like that? Well, it's kind of funny. Like we, the first gig was a show that she was playing at a uh, Hammerstein in New York, mm-hmm. and so we learned a set, you know, and. And it was pretty stressful. It was like, you know, like, I don't know, like 30 tunes. And we had probably four or five days to learn them all before we went into the first rehearsal, you know? Okay. So, you know, going back to that thing we talked about earlier, like being able to read and write charts, like that you can look at it and do it. You know, some right. people have like supersonic shit yeah. where they can just hear things once like Buddy Rich or something, you know? Right. But I certainly don't have yeah, that. I need to make yeah. charts. Like charts yeah. save my life. Like Absolutely, so, man. So, so yeah. So so if you've got to learn thirty tunes, you've got four or five days before the rehearsal starts. So you're yeah. gonna chart out all those tunes. Yeah. Basically. And then you come into the rehearsal like, you know, you put down like the metronome marking for each tune or maybe they have backing tracks. Back and tracks for every single song. Okay, cool. So that's every already dialed in. Click, it's all there. Right. Yep. So you make the charts, the click, the all the back tracks are already dialed in. And then like if you've got to rehearse thirty tunes, like are you guys gonna rehearse a couple hours a day for like four or five days? Or yeah, like, it was five days a week for two weeks and they were like I don't know like six hour rehearsals I guess you know okay it was a lot of work is there like an MD that's like overseeing everything and kind of like keeping everybody in line yep but I mean at that level I mean like I would imagine like you know every every player you're playing with is so serious it's so serious it's like everyone on the bandstand is a great player like you know it's not a question anymore of whether like you know what I mean you can do everything it's more like the the MD will say okay well on this song it's a tight ending on this song it's a wash up oh wait a second oh you want to sing that there okay um everybody lay out on the third bar because she's going to play this or he'll have to tell like the Pro Tools operator like edit that out we don't don't pull that out there yeah yeah so that's interesting because also, the, so there's a Pro Tools operator that's there yeah. just kind of like 
making sure the track everything's cool with yeah. all the in ears. And, and the, the Pro Tools operator is a phenomenal musician too. Like, yeah. it's yeah. everyone. Everyone is just you know, but you know, doing that back and track thing. That's a great gig. I want to get into that shit. That yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah. I know how to run my DAW pretty good and I can understand any sort of musical requests that anybody made for me on the bandstand so I could definitely do that gig you know like yeah. but then trying to find a way into that gig that's something else that's a whole other thing yeah man well Danny C man I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to me today and so good to see you man it's a pleasure man I, I can't believe that it's been so long since we saw each other I know we will end up going so long again man we'll catch up in that dead when you uh, when you see Skip even yeah. though he doesn't know who I am, tell him that just him existing in the world gives me like a little bit of joy. Oh man, I absolutely will. <laughs> I'm gonna like get out. I'm gonna like take some sticks and like try and play a snake or the leaves or there something. Think about it. This episode was produced and edited by me, Andrew Jones. The theme song was a collaboration between Matt Pendergast and myself. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in the podcast app and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation on our homepage at www.andrewhalljones.com. You'll see a link for A Musician's Life. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please email me at amusiciansLifePodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at MusicianLifePod. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and remember, time with music is time well spent.